0: talk I, about it. I'll tell you about it as I hit record. Okay, hit record. Okay. So the promo thing <laughs> is this thing where it's like part outtake, part promo, and I'll use it at the beginning of somebody else's show. Okay. So that's where you just say, hi, this is Dr. James Kelly of the thecruciblesgift.com and you are listening to Jeff Smith on Vroom Vroom Veer. Listen up. Something like that. Okay. Where you're getting all those elements in, saying my name, my show, and your thing. Got it. Okay. Whenever
1: you're ready. Awesome. All right. Here we go. Three, seven, one. <laughs> Welcome to Vroom 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 Veer. Wait. Veer Perfect. Veer. Vroom Veer. Yes. With Jeff Smith. This is Dr. James Kelly. Sit down, buckle up, and go for a ride for a great hour conversation. Whoop,
0: whoop. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> Well
1: Mine done. is trying to
0: speed through Vroom Vroom Veer. Yeah, Vroom Vroom Veer is, uh, I, you know, I didn't make it up, but it's it's a really good tongue twister. It screws everybody up, so I kind of totally.
1: like Totally. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you can say VVV. V, v. It's easier. Okay, I'm going to hit stop. Yeah. I'll be right back.
1: Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith
0: Philip Williams, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Beer and welcome to the show. How's it going?
1: I am doing fabulous.
0: You are caffeinated and ready to go, even though it's going to be 111 degrees today. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm I'm through two and three quarters cups of coffee, so I'm ready to go.
0: You're ready to rock. Me too. Uh, I am caffeinated and ready to roll. So, Okay, so you are at Ask Philip, and that's Philip with one L. The biblical Philip, so askphilipwilliams dot com. So talk a little bit about what you've got going on in your business today that you're most excited about.
1: Oh, I think the thing I'm most excited about is the the Walk to Talk book that I uh, just put out earlier cool. this year. Uh, but if you if you head over to the site, there's that. There are – there's a, re, a free resources page where, you know, you can download a lot of different resources for for helping your small business or uh, that sort of thing. Heck, there's even a, a negotiations page in there where you can go take a, a negotiations class for 10 bucks. Oh, nice. So, that's true. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, the whole idea. I love negotiating, so I just wanted to get that out there and get that into people's hands. And I know that's pretty much it. If you can't make that's 10 bucks, back yeah. – That's you know. Yeah, if you can't make your ten bucks back, then I I don't I don't know what to tell you. Watch it again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to pay twice. You can watch it as many times as you need. Right?
1: Exactly. Very so good. yeah. So I'm over there, and and I help uh, a lot of small business owners uh, through that approach since I left the business world last year, and uh, I should say left the the full time employment world last year.
0: Congratulations.
1: <laughs> yeah, love it. Love it. Lots <laughs> a lot less stressful.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I believe it or not, I'm about to go back to work.
1: I why do you want to do that?
0: Money, apparently. Oh. Yeah. Well. Yeah.
1: Have you tried have you tried writing a letter to the power company and saying thank you for the monthly notice but I'm not materialistic?
0: <laughs> I like that. That's funny. Oh, nice. No. It, it won't does get it, you very far but it it will work? Get a good laugh. <laughs> I thought it was going to be the beginning of a beautiful no- negotiation.
1: Uh, no, not that one. The power company, they're so are They don't negotiate, art.
0: no. They yeah. don't. I, have, I have successfully reduced my summertime bill in half. Wow. Yeah. So that was, we moved in here last year in the beginning of June. And I want to say July's electric bill was
1: $300. Zowie.
0: Yeah. I know. So I was just like, you know, then, then we were like, we got to do something. So we changed all the light bulbs, <laughs> you know, we did everything. We, you know, unplug stuff, you know, get the, the turning things off and all the vampire stuff. And yeah, it worked It it, it you know, down to half and we're very judicious with the AC, you know? So, ah, uh, I think that's the key. You just kind of have to learn to live with heat. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm lucky my house has two different forms of cooling. So I only oh, have to pay for plan. air conditioning about two and a half months out of the year.
0: Nice. I like that. Yeah. yeah. That's about what, what we're, where we're at. But we're not used to having AC. See, when, when I lived in California for 13 years, we didn't even have air conditioning. We eventually, like, I think, want to say, like, two years before we left, we bought one of those room AC units. Mm-hmm. not the good kind but the kind that's just is like a dryer hose going out the window um, <laughs> <laughs> not the best kind you know not at all but it, it helped a lot but you know i'm not used to having central air and it just oh my goodness
1: <laughs> wow yeah it's a world of difference yeah
0: anyway i digress so let's uh, before we start I'm going to tease a couple of things. Later on, we're going to talk about some negotiating tactics that you gleaned from one each Samuel L. Jackson, which I found on your website uh, as a blog post, and I thought it was hilarious and and, um, interesting and uh, enlightening. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, We're also going to talk about a story how you used nonverbals and your knowledge of nonverbals to win a negotiation. And I think you're going to have a good time telling me that story. I'm looking forward to that. But first, let's go back in the Wayback Machine and talk about your life growing up. And uh, so one of your parents, one or both of your parents ran a barbershop. So talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So that was that was the family industry, if you will. Um, My dad, I think, is fourth generation barber. And that makes my brother a fifth generation barber.
0: Oh, my goodness. Wow.
1: Yeah. So that was the, the core industry in the family. And, uh, so my second job in life was as the janitor for the barbershop. And, okay. <laughs> uh, um, so on Sundays I would get on my bicycle and bicycle two miles one way uphill in the heat and, uh, clean the barbershop. And then the shop was open Tuesday through Saturday and on tuesday nights at dinner i would get the critique of how well i had done and then find out if i was going to get paid in full or if the, if i was going to be discounted cuz i didn't <laughs> and uh, so that was my my introduction into what it was like to to be an uh,
0: employee right
1: to be an employee and and Can do a get job
0: evaluated more. right yeah on your performance performance yeah. evaluation that's nice you know that uh, you were lucky
1: yeah you know, in in hindsight, you know, it, as an eight year old, it, it's not great, right?
0: right. So you probably but, thought, "Man, what's going on?"
1: <laughs> but it has served me so well as an adult, you know, and because uh, I'm I'm a person that I don't, I guess, out of that grew this need where I don't like it when my manager comes and tells me what I'm doing wrong. <laughs>
0: I I don't think most people Yeah, I I was we can have a chat about that in gener- in general because <clears throat> I don't know what it was like for you when you were in the Navy or any of your other jobs, but for the most part, people don't like doing that. They don't like evaluating other people. They don't like saying bad things about people. We just don't want to do that, you know. No,
1: it's We hard. don't want to
0: hear it and we don't want to say it. It is. It's hard.
1: It's It's like, hard. It's a you, challenge you know to be honest. You know why it's hard? Yeah. You know why it's hard? Why is it? Because hard? Because we ignore the little things okay. until they become big, ugly things. If you okay. simply addressed the little things in a polite manner early right on in
0: the right. game, right, right,
1: then it wouldn't be as hard. But unfortunately, because people don't like conflict, and, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but because people don't like conflict, they fear <clears throat> even the smallest conflict, which isn't really even a conflict, right. as being – Uh, as being a painful thing, but there's a polite way to have that conversation and an honest and open way to have that conversation. If you have that conversation early, then you never have to have the big, ugly conversation down the road.
0: (laughs) That's true. Yeah. If you, if you sort of like, as they say, nip it in the bud right away when it's not even a thing. You know, exactly. it's, it's just a conversation and it's not, there's no issue,
1: right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Deal with it when it's not a thing because right. then it becomes a thing and it's, it's horribly unfun.
0: Correct. <laughs> oh, I had to learn that lesson the hard way in the military. That's the good thing about one of the nice things about the military is, um, you've got so many, I don't know what it was like in the, in the Navy, but in the air force, like there's like, first, they're just going to talk to you. Right. So, like, say I'm Airman Snuffy and I've made a mistake. Right. My Mm -hmm. immediate supervisor will just come over and have a chat with me, just like Mm -hmm. you're saying, you know, and say, hey, Jeff, when you did X, Y, Z, you didn't do PDQ and we need you to do PDQ. And oh, okay, All right. You know, and and that counts as a verbal counseling so they're probably okay. taking a note of that but they're not even telling you that they're taking a note of that right and then later on if it have if the same thing happens again and they say it again the same thing then they're going to write it down now, th- th- it's it's a stupid thing that they do. They say, this is a memo of a verbal counseling <laughs> that I'm now writing down, and I'm going to put it in your record. And they tell you that. See, see, I wrote this down now. And you're supposed to get the hint slowly. Right? <laughs> you really need to do PDQ. But, you know, young people are slow and stupid sometimes. But, yeah. But there's these... Well, if, the point if, is, if you're is young... There's, yeah, there's layers, you know.
1: Yeah, but if you're young, and mm-hmm. you're not used to getting coached or counseled.
0: Right. You don't know what's going on, maybe.
1: Right. And you're not used to that sort of thing. Uh, or if you got conflicting messages, like your parents are saying, hey, dude, you're not putting in the effort you need to be putting in, but your teachers are giving you A's and B's. You're like, you're going to ignore what your parents are saying.
0: Yeah, I can see that.
1: Um, and so then you grow up and you go to the real world and the real world is outcome based.
0: Right. Okay.
1: And That's true. Right. And all of a sudden, what your mom and dad have to say no longer counts. It's just that manager.
0: Right. Yes. That's the and very famous moment when you're in the military when they say, hey, dude, I'm not your mom. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: right.
1: Yeah. Right. Or, or in the Navy, they tell you your wife didn't come in your sea bag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's, it, not it, she's not generally issued. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We didn't give you that that wife. Right. Exactly. Right. (laughs) We're not interested in that. There you go. That's not, that's not our business. That's, that's your business.
1: Yeah. So I had, I had a little bit of a, a a different experience when, you know, when you talk about, uh, that sort of thing. I mean, growing up, my, my dad was a disciplinarian, but I wasn't a difficult person to, to deal with that sort of thing. I just like, okay, I'll just do it right the next time. And I would just do it right. Um, So I I tried to learn very quickly because I'm a person that does not like learning the same lesson twice. Mm, Right. Um, And it's just just the way I'm wired. Uh, So when I went in the Navy, not a a big deal for me. And um, as well, my experience in the Navy with being in nuclear power, it's super important to do things right the first time all of the time. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's one of those (laughs) – yeah, those – because you know, you're gonna be like uh, killing people and then ruining the environment for millions of years.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: And, <laughs> you don't and there's do a
1: reason that, that. that you know the United States Navy hasn't had a problem with nuclear reactors you know, in since what, World War Two when we've been operating them. Wow. So they're
0: following um, really good rules.
1: They have very, very Good rules and the training program. It was kind of interesting. In my my first time in boot camp. I I had uh, my company was 80 people. 21 of us were going into nuclear power program, and it happened that one of my drill instructors was a nuke, and he took the 21 of us and he stood us up and and he says, look to your left, look to your right, look behind you. None of those people will be here when you get done. And Which is very different because we've all, or not all of us, but many of us have been in a situation where they say, look to your left, look to your right, one of those people won't be here.
2: Mm, Right.
1: This was, look to your left, look to your right, look behind you, none of those people. I mean, this is a program that historically has an average of about 65% of the people don't graduate from it.
0: Wow. That's a high washout rate.
1: Right. But would you rather have somebody wash out in the classroom or would you rather have them mess up on the (laughs) – Exactly, and yeah. so it is it is intended to be a phenomenally stressful training program because they don't want anybody who can't deal mm. actually going to see and being responsible for one of these things. Yeah, that makes sense. And then uh, a, a different uh, something that was a little bit different from from your experience was this. you know we were we were trained, even though I was an enlisted guy, look, if an officer gives you an instruction mm. and you know it to be wrong, right, you're free to disobey that instruction so long as a you do it politely
0: and respectfully right
1: yes you must you must respect rank and b you need to have a good reason right and and then we'll go back and we'll look at you you know we'll we'll it, it, depending on the urgency we may convene three or four people and the group will get together and say no this is what we need to do you know either the officer was right or the operator was right but this is what we're doing let's go do this boom let's get it on and so we were free to disagree so long as we we followed a certain protocol which included being polite and respecting chain of command of course um, but it was it was a little bit of, and, and submarines is um, I don't want to paint the picture that it's chaos, but it is a little bit more, uh, congenial than, than the surface fleet. Okay. Because you have a limited number of guys, you know, you got like 120 guys doing the same job that say 500 do on a surface ship.
0: Right. Okay. And so limited space,
1: right? Yeah. Every, yeah. You got to pitch in and you got to get along.
0: Hmm. Right. Yeah. It's just so like you're in a sardine can underwater and yeah. uh, everybody's counting on each other not to kill each other.
1: Right. And it's the most hostile operating environment on Earth. I mean, you have to go to space to find an environment that is
2: yeah, more as hostile,
1: hostile to human right. beings than than a submarine because, you know, boo-boos are expensive.
0: Correct. Yikes. Wow. So Yeah. So that, so how long did you spend like underway? Did you, did you do uh, most of your time on, on sea duty?
1: uh, So, well, I, I was very lucky. I went from being uh, a high school student who barely passed algebra to being a nuclear power plant qualified operator and instructor in like 20 months.
0: that's (laughs) That's a good way to shore duty. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so yeah when i finished school they said hey you're so good at this we want to offer you a position for the next two years staying and teaching wow so uh, awesome. i was very fortunate that yeah. the plant that i was teaching on i got to do cool things that some people have never gotten to do i got to take a nuclear reactor to end of life
2: whoa
1: yeah And uh, so I I taught for about a year, and then we did uh, end-of-life testing on a nuclear reactor, which is really cool because uh, a lot of people don't understand how nuclear reactors work. But they actually reach a point where they – we use the word poison. They poison themselves to the point where they can't start up.
0: Okay. All right. So it can no
1: longer generate enough power. The
0: reaction is, is, is sort of like dying.
1: Yeah, it's it's. Let's use the word fizzle. It fizzles out. It's fizzled out. out. Yeah, <laughs> it's, right. it's just There's a candle. No
0: it's a nuclear candle that is no longer burning sufficiently to, to run the run generator. It's run out of right. way. Right, right. Wow.
1: And and so to get to do that is pretty cool because you know there, if you shut down a, you know, which is really important for our ships at sea because if they get to a place where they're they're near end of life, mm. and they shut the plant down it well, you can don't be
0: have a, a, you don't have a, a good way to get out, get home right? it Other can than-
1: be right <laughs> now this is not something that you wake up one morning it's not like going out to your car and you hit the switch and the battery's dead it's not <laughs> right, like that right, you, right. you get an indication you know you mm. know it's coming yeah. well before it ever gets there right uh, um, whereas your battery when it dies it just dies and you don't know um, Yeah. but i got to do that and then That's uh, pretty cool. i got to do uh, a refueling operation and then i went to see and, um, I was at sea on, for those of you who know something about submarines, uh, on a thresher class, which is in, in the Navy, it isn't actually called thresher. It's called permit because the thresher sank and sailors are superstitious and we don't name ships after anything ships. that that have sank.
0: Right, right. That makes sense.
1: So good idea.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Sailors are superstitious. I, I had a buddy.
0: Uh, so my most of my career, well, at least, probably, let's say, yeah, uh, like the first two assignments were in the um, the Air Force, well, the Air Force version of what NSA does, you know, the signals intelligence stuff. Uh-huh. So I worked with, and that's a joint environment, right? So uh, all the schools are the same and uh, all the, so all Navy, um, Air Force, Army, Marines, they all go to the same schools together and have the same classes and then, you know, do the same job on the same operations floors, um, worldwide. They're all working for the NSA, right? We They, they just, you know, mm-hmm. farm it out to different services, right? Right. Um, so I worked with a Navy guy who was a linguist. Yeah. I think he was a Chinese linguist and, uh, the, d- the only difference between him and the Air Force and the Marines and the Army was he had to go sit in a sub <laughs> for a while, you know, and, uh, yes. and his comment to me was he loved it. He was like, I love it. I love it in so many ways because he was like, uh, I get to do my job, which I love. I get to do my job where I'm supposed to be doing my job. <laughs> and 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 in the navy everybody, you know, kind of like thinks, "Oh, it's so it's so hard and there's this hardship and it's really difficult." And he was like, "But I love it. It's awesome. It's great." So, that's that was sort of like my takeaway from, you know, if you have the right attitude about, you know, being in a sub for however long they make you go out on a mission, you mm-hmm. know, then, you know, you, you can have a good time with it. Even yeah, close quarters and everything else.
1: You you can and uh, you it's definitely a place where I think the military in general is a place where you get to do things that you're not ever going to get to do somewhere else. <laughs>
0: exactly, it is just uh, it's amazing sometimes what you get to yeah. see is like a young person. You know the responsibility. But you just can't come
1: back and tell the stories.
0: <laughs> of course not. No, that's yeah. well you can, but you have to talk around things sort of. Yeah, not yeah. really. Yeah,
1: yeah well you very, know. Very generic.
0: Anything, you know, what I'll say to anybody listening out there is if you learned things that I learned that were classified, you wouldn't care. (laughs) They're thoroughly boring. (laughs) It's like, whatever. You know, it's like, that's it? That's the classified thing? Whatever. Who cares? You know, it's not something that I was interested in. It didn't, you know, I was like, okay. Yeah, I can see why it's secret. But, you know, who cares?
1: Anyway. Well, it's like Jack Nicholson. We need people on the wall.
0: Oh right! Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I love that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, so you're in the Navy. You say like seven years. Yep. And then and then you get out and you go to college. Or wait a minute. Do do you do your college? Okay, that's what happened. All right. So talk a little bit about what life was like in college.
1: Um, For me, it was very very easy. Um, I went and got a mechanical engineering degree. And it, and after you've been through the Naval Nuclear Power Training Program, there's no such thing as a hard college program. Um,
0: <laughs> okay, good to know. Yeah,
1: well, uh, the Naval Nuclear Power Program—they jam two years of upper-level college credits down your throat in uh, six months. Wow. Yeah, That's so pretty intense. Yeah, well, you're you're you literally you literally receive lecture thirty-seven hours a week, versus college, it's like fifteen hours a week okay Yikes. And, yeah
0: yeah that's what the navy does don't they 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 pretty much just say hey guess what we own you now
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah so yeah. when i got to college yeah. I, I was like wow this is this is easy i only have to take you know 15 it's, 18 credits this and, is
0: cakewalk right here
1: I and have- they gave me a bunch of credit for physics and chemistry and uh, i'd clept out through my associate's degree i'd i'd taken you know written exams and just totally bypass humanities and English and stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. And, Good for you. And so I had all these vacant spots and I filled them with finance and economics classes, uh, which I fell in love with. And uh, you know, as we were talking earlier, I, my halfway through my first semester of uh, uh, finance and economics, I went downstairs and told my wife when I was studying that, hey, when I get done with this mechanical engineering thing, I'm going to go get an MBA. And she was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and so that's what did I did. Do you know expect. what she's
0: getting into or
1: you know, I'm I'm very, very blessed in that regard that um uh my wife and I have been married over twenty five years and we've just always yeah, backed
0: each other. Congratulations. That's kind of odd these days.
1: I, it, it's crazy, but you know, my parents have been married. All of my life too, so yeah uh, uh, I guess I'm following the example
0: but <laughs> me too, my wife and I we've been married like twenty five years too
1: so you could be a marriage counselor. <laughs> Okay. I tell people I could be a marriage counselor if I knew how it was I made it this far. Yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> that's, that's a good, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I I don't think I could other than, you know, just shut up in color sometimes and get over things fast. You know, <laughs>
1: you know I, I, will, I will say this. I do think that the, a big part of the truth about why we've lasted so long is that our courtship, I was in Saratoga Springs teaching in, in at the nuclear power plant for the Navy and she was down here in Tucson and we wrote – old style, hand wrote a lot of letters oh, back.
0: Nice. Wow.
1: And so it, it, there was a whole lot of communication during our courtship um it, in that style and I think that that actually lent itself significantly to our marriage lasting.
0: Yeah. So wow. Uh,
1: because you really get to know somebody when all you can do is write letters and talk on the phone.
0: <clears throat> you yeah, so, I I think like uh we only, you know, I, there was probably the first couple years were, like, kind of tumultuous. How does that sound? But then after, if you survive that, then, and you kind of, like, get over some big questions, then everything else gets a lot easier. You know, and uh, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but... Um, I was in the Air Force twenty years, so I got to see like a lot of uh, military to military spouse relationships. Okay, and uh, and it just I noticed like uh, especially overseas, like if there was like a small unit and one mill to mill couple broke up, then three of them broke up. <laughs> it was like oh. like three girlfriends deciding I don't need that asshole around. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just sad. I was like, okay, all right.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I didn't see that, but being in the submarine force, the submarine force at the time when I was in had the highest divorce rate of all the military specialized units. Uh, I can all see the that. special submarine forces is considered special forces. Wow. Uh, in the general vernacular, but okay. Um,
0: it, do you it know? Had the do you have an idea why, or is it because they're gone a long time, or it's high stress?
1: Well, I'll give you an example. I was once gone for fifty-four days. There wasn't a there wasn't a letter. There wasn't a phone call. There was no you know email wasn't quite a thing just yet. I mean, there's zero communication with this person for fifty-four days.
0: Oh, that's pretty and, brutal. Yeah, that's that's and right. And
1: you uh, you know, at another point in time, uh, uh, this is why my wife deserves my absolute devotion. I put her in the hospital, and four hours later, was on a submarine leaving the pier. Wow. And she was twenty five hundred miles away from family and friends and everything else. Mm. So, uh, you know, bless her heart for putting up with that because right. I I right. have yet to meet a lot of people that would be willing to suffer that.
0: Yeah, that's rough.
1: Wow. And so, and and you know, the Navy's response was, well, she didn't come in your sea bag. <laughs> <laughs> And no, that was the, I get the, the, it. No, I get that it. Was legitimately said to me. That was truthfully said to me. I believe um, it. I believe it. And uh, now she was an Air Force brat. Okay. So she kind of she kind of had a she kind of had idea. a
0: suck it up attitude.
1: Well, but she understood mm-hmm. that these things happen. Um, but we were also very much in love too, so that helped quite a bit. And, that helps. Yeah. Yeah. Helps. And so I, you know, I. I did see a lot of guys get divorced, but I didn't suffer that myself. And, um, I'm, I'm very grateful, thankful for that. Yeah. And, I think um, the, so.
0: the air force probably does now they're, they're not going to come out and say, you know, we didn't issue you your wife. They don't, they wouldn't say that. I've never, they, they try to be a lot more family forward, at least in yeah. my experience anyway. So what they want to do is they have the same attitude. They just don't say it. (laughs) Right. So what they'll do is they'll make you prepare for the fact that you may be plucked from your family life at any moment. Yep. And so then when it happens, there's no whining allowed. Right. So then
1: my wife did know that she was marrying a submarine guy. So uh, uh, that's and that's about as
0: far as it goes. Right. Yeah.
1: And, you know, everybody who's familiar with the military knows that, uh, and especially at the time that I was in, you could still get scrambled to chase a Soviet Alpha. Sure. And uh, that was, that's part of the the mythology. It's what you
0: signed up for, right.
1: It's the mythology and the history Mm. of of the submarine force. I mean, you you can be sitting there thinking you're going to be home for the next six weeks, and all of a sudden the phone rings, and you're at the pier, and you're gone, and you don't know when you're coming back. right. Uh, but you have to go do this thing because national security requires it. And that's mm-hmm. just, that's just, that is part of the deal. Exactly. That's just part of the deal. Right. And so um, she knew that I was submarine force and, 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 um, but she also knew that, you know, my contract had a finite amount of time on it too. <laughs> yeah.
0: So she was, she was looking forward to you getting out. Was it what you're trying to get at?
1: Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I had committed to her and that, hey, you know, when, when my contract is done, you know, I'm going to get out. And um, and we financially behaved as if that was going to happen. And so when the day came, it, it came. Perfect. And,
0: and so bless her anyway, heart so for I putting up it. with it. Yeah. That.
1: Yeah. So I told her, hey, I'm going to go get an MBA. And she's like, whatever. I mean, she's You're always right. had my back. And um, so that's what I did. I finished my engineering degree. Uh, went to work at a manufacturing company, and then promptly, 24 months later, started in on my MBA.
0: Nice. So, engine. So, you were doing your mechanical engineering, basic. So, you were in a manufacturing job. That was your first job after the Navy, then, right?
1: Yeah. So, but here's the. You, you know, we have this term data scientist now. Okay. 25 years ago, that term didn't exist. So I, I'm, I'm a data scientist from way back, as we say.
0: <laughs> okay. I,
1: I have an engineering degree and an MBA, and um, I've taken a lot of extra courses in statistics. And so when I look at situations, I tend to say, well, what does the data tell us? Because I've got this expression, data don't lie.
2: Right, right.
1: And I, I look at the data. And hmm. I've, I've always just looked at it. Now, the, the weird thing is, while I have an engineering degree, I've never actually designed anything other than a process. Okay. Uh, I, I love to, to design processes. I look at the world as if if you design a process well, you will get the result you want. And if you, especially if you follow the process and if it's a good process. And I tend to worry less about outcomes because I know that outcomes will arrive if I do this thing well.
0: Right. Nice. Yeah. If you if your process is built to produce X, then X should come out.
1: <laughs> yes. And yes. in the world of manufacturing, we call that the Toyota manufacturing system.
0: Uh, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: what, that's what Toyota does. That's how they got where they got. They hmm. focus on the process. So I don't care whether we're talking about setting goals. I don't care if we're talking about Getting through a college course with an A or a B,
0: buying I don't keep a car,
1: talking about painting a bedroom. Right. If you focus on the process and do the process well, you're going to love the end result.
0: I love that. Yeah. You know, and that that is like. <clears throat> so basically, you know, it seems to me like when I look at businesses, right, from the mm-hmm. outside, um, there's usually somebody like you right? With this mm-hmm. sort of like process focus. And then somebody else that's like a creative product guy, right?
1: That so and then there's always the guy who says, hey, the bank's not going to like us.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's three guys, right? But the, so like the product guy s- says, here's the product and then he sticks it into your process, right? And then, you're, and then that process is to, you know, make lots and sell it, right? Something like that.
1: Uh, yeah roughly speaking yeah <laughs> right. although if you're if you're a home auto mechanic you're probably thinking that the design guy never talked to anybody who actually had to work on the darn thing after it was sold mm, right yeah right. like I have I've got a 19 I've got a 19 I, I grew up on c3 Corvettes, so I've had a few presently I have a 1976 corvette and if you've ever tried to pull the radiator out of that thing mm. you almost can't do it
0: Really? Wow.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it's so difficult, just, it's not even funny. And it's because of the order in which the vehicle was assembled when it was built at the factory. Mm. It wasn't designed to be worked on after it left the factory.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, they, they don't care about that. They just want to yeah. get it out the door, right?
1: So, and, and, you know, pretty much every car is that way. There's always that part where in order to do this, you have to do something else first. Right. You know.
0: Always. You know, and of yeah. course the maintainers love that because they charge, you know, labor hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Home guys, they're like, Ah, you suck. <laughs> yeah, you know, you
1: know, you drop the wrench.
0: Ding ting ding ting ting. Darn it.
1: It's gone except forever. it's more colorful than that. Yes, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: so uh before I forget, well let's see here. Where what where should we go next? We should talk about these uh, Sam Jackson and what he can talk to teach us about negotiation, because I know you love to negotiate and I don't. So I need to hone my negotiation skills and get over my stuff, whatever stuff I have. I guess I don't like conflict, apparently.
1: Uh, yeah, you know, that's... Uh,
0: I'm the guy that goes to CarMax and just wants to pay more for cars.
1: So I'll, I'll, give, I'll give you an example. You know, <laughs> okay. it, it is... Uh, I think, first off, people suffer because they don't like conflict. Um, They don't understand or appreciate their own power in the situation. They don't understand what their counterpart's options are in the situation. Okay. And if you're an American, you have an expression both the european or both americans and the japanese have a similar expression but they mean totally opposite things americans time is money okay. forget it i'm just gonna pay full price and i need to let, let's just pay the price and and get on to making money
2: right okay,
0: okay.
1: where you know we want to get through the negotiations now and we don't do we don't like the conflict and everything else let's just get through the negotiation and get to the part where we can make money okay, okay. if you're if you come from uh, an Asian or you know, uh, t- typically Japanese,
0: that's a haggling uh, per- culture, right? <laughs>
1: it's not. No, they're not actually a haggling culture, but they their view is time is money. The more time we spend negotiating, the more likely we are to make money.
0: Interesting. Yeah, it's okay. like the same thing said. It's the Two opposite. Different meanings. Right. Right. Yes. Exactly. Two wow.
1: different meanings. All right. And so a lot of times we don't we don't understand and we really don't like the conflict right. and
0: yeah i uh, have to agree with you on that that's probably why i don't want to negotiate
1: and we you know you talk about hey i just i just want to get on to making money and i i i see a lot of companies handicap themselves because they put deadlines on things
0: mm. and, and they're and, just arbitrary and they don't mean anything right
1: yeah the They are essentially arbitrary other than the fact that the quarterly financials are due. Or the boss said so. Financials to look good. Right,
0: right, right.
1: Yes. And and it's like, well, so you want me to negotiate a bad deal because you want the quarterly financials. It's a long term. It's a bad deal. But you want it done now so that the next quarter's financials look good.
0: Right. Wow.
1: Like that's that's just totally weird. But I'll give you Mm. an example. Why does Mace Windu have a purple lightsaber?
0: Yeah, Sam Jackson. Uh, let's see here is Mace Windu in yep. uh, let's see here the reboot of Star Wars. So that would be like episode one, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or two. Okay, so, so I, don't why is Mace why, Windu? I don't know I mean, don't know. It doesn't have something to do with like the crystals, or maybe he's medium bad and medium good. I don't know why.
1: <laughs> because that's Samuel L. Jackson's favorite color.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> You mean it doesn't have anything to do with the Force? It
1: doesn't have a darn thing to do with Star Wars.
0: (laughs) Wow. So he just basically said, I want a purple (laughs) lightsaber.
1: But if you want Samuel L. Jackson in your movie, because he has such a reputation for bringing success, I mean, I think for the last seven or eight years, his cumulative career film revenue numbers, he has been number ranked number one or number two lifetime film revenue. Wow. Okay. That's
0: pretty impressive.
1: And yeah. So if if Samuel L. Jackson's in your movie, it's it's almost like the kiss of success.
0: Mm, <laughs> right, right. But you can't really another, think another of like many gets, many of his movies that didn't do pretty yeah, pretty good.
1: Another thing that he gets is uh, if you want him in in uh, in your movie you have to pay for him to golf two days a week.
0: <laughs> uh, that's I, I like that. That's that's cool. That's better than I only want brown M and M's. Something stupid like that, <laughs> because he gets to relax.
1: Yeah, it's very yeah. important, right? Right. You, right. You actually, de-stressing is really important to sure. any creative endeavor. Right. Um, but. It's really funny. He was he was in a negotiating movie. Movie, oddly enough, called The Negotiator. Oh, and right, right. Love that, that movie. Yeah, and, and there's a scene in there where he's telling he's trying to teach somebody how to negotiate, and he's saying, "Never tell your counterpart what you can't do."
0: Mm, right. Okay.
1: I, okay. You know, if you're trying to win, it's not what you can't do; it's what you can do. And you know, because your counterpart's going to ask you for, all, and you'll notice that I'm referring to the person you're negotiating with as your counterpart.
0: Right, cuz you're in it uh, together.
1: You're in it together, they're not your enemy. Mm. Especially if you're talking about a long-term relationship where you're going to be talking to this person several times.
0: You're trying to make a friend.
1: Y- yeah. yeah. Or you, you at least you at least need to be able to get along. Right. Um and so you know, it's not healthy to to tie a negative moniker to somebody. Uh, in in every sense. Now, I'm certain that a lot of people can think of recent events where that isn't actually followed. But, <laughs> um, it, you know, from a business perspective when you, or, or even a personal perspective where you have somebody, maybe you're, you have a contractor who's going to remodel your house, you don't want to start walking around r- referring to the guy as a jerk because that changes your mental, m- your mindset and your viewpoint about right. the person. Right. So, So talking to somebody and telling them what you can't do uh being negative is is not uh a healthy way to to start the relationship mm. and um uh, so th- there there's a number of different things but that that's certainly one of them um you know how you think of your counterpart is a significantly important um aspect of whether or not you're successful
0: right and then you also brought up like um you're never going to use like any no words, right?
1: Yeah. It's just not, it's just not, it's not what I can't do. It's what I can do. I understand what you want, but here's what I can give you.
2: Right, or actually
1: right, it right. should be, I understand what you want and here's what I can give you. Again, no is but. No but, right. <laughs> uh, it, it's a negative and it's a stop word, you right, know, right. but and they, you know, the, the, their It's like
0: negates everything you said before the but. Exactly. I I
1: understand what you need, and here's what I can do for you. And, you know, right, and um, here's what I can uh, do for you.
0: I like that. That's a good sentence right there. That's the negotiating sentence. I understand what you need, and here's what I can do for you. Okay, I like that. Exactly.
1: And, you know, so if you're Samuel L. Jackson, it's like, hey, look, I understand you don't want to pay for those two days of golf. You'll notice when I golf, these films do well. (laughs)
0: It <laughs> was a nice dramatic pause, too. I like that.
1: Yeah, you know, but one of one of my favorite no, no
0: buts, right?
1: Yeah, and I think I think time is one of my favorite negotiating tactics. That, and you'll notice too that I, I left that pregnant pause in there, right? You have to learn to shut your mouth sometimes,
0: mm, right?
1: in uh, especially in Western culture, we cannot handle empty space in a conversation it is so awkward it is so awkward so try, true ne, the next time you ask somebody for something try shutting your mouth for 30 seconds after you make the request and see how painful it is <laughs> you, you you yourself will experience anxiety Sure. And the for other leaving person. that
0: pregnant pause in there, right? Yeah. Cuz we yeah, always like, we just want to, you know, make the situation all nice and stuff. So we want to yes, talk Yes, right. Yeah. Right, right. Again,
1: we don't like conflict. And right. when you say when you say to some, when you make a request of somebody and try this. Go into a retail store where the sticker has the price and ask for the store manager and ask them to give you a 12% discount. And then just wait.
0: And don't say nothing. I like that.
1: And first off, that's very non-traditional, right? Who the heck negotiates in a retail store in America?
0: Nobody. Nobody. Right.
1: And the other thing is the store manager is going to look at you like you've lost your mind.
2: Mm,
0: Right. But maybe. (laughs) You know what? If you don't ask, you're not going to get it.
1: Right. So time and empty space in a conversation are very painful for people, but they are actually very healthy when it comes to achieving your end goal of getting a good deal. As an example, if you've bought a new car, when is the best time to go negotiate for a new car?
0: I have no idea.
1: Usually in the last 10 days of the month when the salesman's trying to make quota.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: And if you can't have that or if you can have that and you want your cake and you want to eat it too, the the last 10 days of the quarter.
0: Oh, wow. Okay.
1: Why? Because in America, we have these artificial – and I love Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers. If you, If you read nothing else this year, read that book. I have that already, book. That,
0: I think I have it, that book on my bookshelf.
1: Have you read it? Not yet. No.
0: <laughs> Doesn't Read he, it. Did
1: he, I think he Read did it blink Because too, we right? use artificial deadlines to create right. so totally much pain, arbi- waste, and loss that okay. it's not even funny. Right. It's not even funny. But that book will show you the consequences of artificial deadlines. Mm. And so, if you walk into a dealership in the last ten days of a month, and the salesman is stressed to make his quota,
0: he is highly motivated.
1: He's highly motivated to make a deal. Why? Because he's got this artificial deadline. But if he had five more days, could he make a better deal for the dealership? Yeah. He probably could. But unfortunately he's got a boss breathing down his neck telling him, Hey, look, dude, if you don't hit the mark, we're gonna have a conversation about your future.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's it's,
1: that's really, really it's painful. Just bad
0: for him. management, basically.
1: So all you have to do is walk in as the customer with a pre-approved bank, uh, check from the bank for the price you want to pay, not the price the dealership wants to give it to you. And they're going to really, really, really want that check, but maybe they're going to hate the price, and they're going to try as hard as they can to get you to go get more. And if you're willing to stick to your guns and wait until the last day of the month, you have such a better chance of getting the deal you want. It's not even funny. And I'll, I'll give you a great example of this. In 1999, that's when my first daughter was born. My wife, it was June. She was due in August. My wife's Mustang convertible was on its last legs. We wanted to put her in an SUV before the baby got here. We're talking, I have 10 weeks left to get an SUV for her. And I was not willing to pay more than I needed to pay to get this SUV. My mother was at my house telling me to just go pay full price and get the car because she didn't want her first grandbaby in an unsafe Mustang.
2: Mm, Right.
1: And the Mustang's air conditioning didn't work. And it's Arizona. And it's June. Right. You know. And and I'm like, (laughs) So you're
0: under all kinds of pressure.
1: Under all kinds of pressure. I'm walking into dealerships with a wife who's obviously seven months pregnant. So they're seeing that and they're going, oh, we've got this guy. Yeah, we've got got a live one on the hook. (laughs) I walked into one dealership and was there six hours and they wouldn't budge one nickel on price. And I walked out.
0: Mm, Good.
1: And as I was walking out, I counted 35 Jeep Grand Cherokees. With an average retail sticker price over thirty thousand that was a million dollars in inventory, I was the only person there during that six hours that wanted a Jeep Grand Cherokee and they wouldn't come down their price. Why because I'm sitting there with a pregnant wife and they and, and you can see it, and they're thinking they got me mm. I got the vehicle I wanted twenty percent below sticker, and I bought it in June and I bought it. I closed on the deal. I'd have to go back and look at the registration, but I closed on it, I think, seven days before June was over, which is seven days before the end of the quarter, seven days before the end of the month. And I got a fully, fully loaded vehicle. And get this, it was also near the end of the model year, too. So that was very helpful. Mm. Uh, But I was willing to wait and let the deal come to me. Right. And too many times... We don't like the pain. That's why I always tell people, never, ever buy a new car when you need it to get to work the next day.
0: Yeah, you need time, definitely.
1: Time. Right. Time. I've, I've had people in negotiations, this is the other thing, keep your mouth shut. Silence is very, very useful from the perspective that if you don't talk, the other guy will. And a lot of times, they will tell you stuff they shouldn't even be telling you. They will tell you all about their problems and their wants and their needs and how their boss is breathing down their neck and da 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 and they gotta have it. and if you just sit there and listen, they will just tell you all kinds of stuff that they shouldn't be telling you, <laughs> which is information that you can use down the road.
0: Right. Wow. Yeah.
1: I had a guy, I was I'm not gonna tell you what the thing was, but I was buying this thing and I was willing to pay forty thousand dollars for it. Okay. He wanted sixty thousand.
0: Okay. It. Wow.
1: In our very first conversation, I keep my mouth shut, and he word vomits all of the pressure that he's under. And in that, he tells me that he has to have a deal by the following Friday. Oops. And so <laughs> he's under serious time pressure. Right. He makes a phone call trying to put more pressure on me, and I'd already done my homework, and I knew I'm willing to pay forty only because I'm trying to make him whole. I know that he's paid forty thousand for this thing a couple weeks before. And so I'm willing to pay forty to to just make him whole. I'm not I'm not trying to be a bad guy, uh, you know. But he's only had it a couple of months, so there's no you know his carrying costs aren't that significant. Okay. And and, and I start the deal. Hey, I'm willing to give you a forty for it. He wants sixty. Well, he makes this phone call after he's already told me all of his problems, trying to put pressure on me. He hung up the phone, and I offered him thirty thousand dollars for this thing. And he about lost his mind. (laughs) Okay. He stormed out of my office, and I didn't call him. And I'm going to tell you, uh, time pressure, it's not – and being quiet, I'm not trying to tell you that these are easy things to do. They are very, very, very painful things to do. You have to practice sitting on your hands, and you have to practice biting your tongue and all of these horrible things. (laughs) I was quiet, and I didn't call him at all, not even once. And – four hours before the deadline I called or or that I set, he called and said he would take my $30,000 offer. Wow. Wow. And I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you that it's easy. It was very hard for me to not call him and go, okay, look, I'll give you the, the 40,000, you know, Mm. but, I understood the situation, and so I I learned very, very early on that too often we as negotiators tend to walk into a situation thinking about what we need and what we want, and it's really important for you to look at the situation and try to figure out what your counterpart's options are, and if you can figure out what their options are, that can help you plot your game plan.
0: Mm, Okay.
1: And. So because I had done a few things, one, I, I game planned what his options were. And then I was willing to be quiet in that first conversation long enough to have him again, if you, especially with an American, if you'll just shut your mouth, they'll tell you all kinds of things they don't need to be telling you. Mm. I was very quiet in that first conversation and just let him run his mouth.
0: Yeah. And And you were also, you were also willing to let the deal go. Yes, you know, because you were you were you, you you had no obligation really to buy it, and so if he had well, if he had this gotten thing, another offer, this, this it would thing have been that okay. he was
1: selling me, this thing that he was selling me, right. I really, 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 really wanted and needed. Oh, okay. And I was, but actually, you
0: didn't want him to know that.
1: <laughs> I him to know that, and right. I didn't tell him that. And mm. here's the funny thing: is he tells me that he has a deadline that's two weeks from now. I needed this thing thirty days from now. And I really, really needed it. It's just that my deadline was longer than his.
0: (laughs) You would be good at options.
1: (laughs) And so understanding, you you may walk into a situation thinking, hey, I have this deadline, but if you'll be quiet, the other guy will tell you all of his problems and all of his pressures too. Mm. And rather than worrying about your pressures, if you can just put pressure on his pain point, Mm. you'll do better. And if you're willing to last, if you're willing to sit on your hands and bite your tongue and listen to the silence, you will do better.
0: Right. So how do do. do the nonverbals help you win? So, like, uh, are are you doing, like, things like matching and things like that?
1: So, uh, yeah, there's matching, there's leading. uh,
0: Matching is just, like, you sort of, like, slowly take on their posture sort of thing. Like, if they're crossing their legs or crossing their arms, right?
1: So you, you, you start out by mimicking their, their, their posture uh, and their, their hand positions and things like that. And then you move into leading. So once you've mimicked them several times over, then you can start moving into leading. So if you want somebody to move in close, you move in close. Mm. And then they'll move in close. Okay. And, and, mm-hmm. if, and it's sort of a subconscious thing. But what you're right. trying to do is develop a rapport.
0: A subconscious rapport.
1: Right, right. Because you really don't want the you don't you don't want the con the the conversation the negotiation to be uh, argumentative. You'd really prefer that it's polite. Right. Um, and so the purpose of mimicking and leading and matching is that you're trying to get on the same wavelength. And if they can feel like they like you, mm. then again they will tell you things that they probably really shouldn't tell you. Right. Okay. Yeah. And that especially throw that if you throw in silence that uncomfortable thing it it will have them uh telling you and then the other thing is as an example uh if you are willing you know one of the non-verbals is is the silence factor okay people don't people don't tend to think of they when i say non-verbal they tend to think about hand movements and and facial expressions and that sort of thing but if you're silent and they break the silence. I don't look at that as a verbal cue. I actually look at that as a physical cue. Like they're stressed. Mm, if they have to right. break the silence, then you know you have stress on them. That's and that that's
0: rule. Really- like what do they call that rule? Like um, whoever talks first loses? Yeah. and, and there's <laughs> Is that
1: a rule? Well, there's a couple of I've different schools of thoughts. Okay. Uh, you know, whoever, whoever quotes a price first loses. And that may or may not be true um as an example the uh, a Russian the Russian negotiating tactic is to come in and ask for a, a ludicrous price very early on like they may have something that's worth 10 bucks but they might be asking a thousand for it
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right yes I've heard and, this one before right
1: yeah and so you know uh, from one perspective if you quote you know let's call it an honest price early then you may lose um, I find that the first person to quote a price loses to be true only when the person who's quoting that price hasn't done their homework. Okay. And if they are untrained and unwilling to use other tools in their favor. Um, I quoted in that that negotiations where I paid $10,000 less than what the other guy paid for it. Mm -hmm. I was the first person to quote the price but I quoted that price because he'd given me so much information that I knew what his pressures were and I knew his pressures were greater than mine. Mm. And so I was willing to cut to the chase. I also knew what the thing was worth. I didn't quote a crazy price. I, I was right. offering him exactly what he paid for. it. I knew what he paid for it.
0: Wow. So you were loaded with information. so
1: That's the thing. It's homework, right? And, and when it comes to like buying a car – we can all do homework. We can go on the internet and see what people pay for stuff
0: right, right. Yes,
1: you no, know, uh, you can go on Craigslist and research you know what people are paying for used dryers if that's what you need to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is you I can get a
0: trending buy- price on a car real easy,
1: yeah. yeah. you can you know, it was and i it was kind of very interesting. doing your homework is a concept that I learned very on, early on because you know one of the other things I grew up in was auto salvage yards and right, my right. dad- every morning at six o'clock was out there at the curb. This is back when you got your newspaper every day and there was no Craigslist and he would look at the price of cars and he would watch He watched the price of cars in the want ads like brokers would watch the price of a stock on a ticker tape. Wow. And he, and he would know that here's this guy that's been trying to sell this 1969 Camaro for three months now. And he started out really, really high on price and now he's finally down to a price and I'll give him a call. Okay. You know, Uh and and so doing your homework on the market rate for something is very, very important because a lot of times your counterpart might be playing on the idea whether or not you're ignorant. (laughs) And and if you're ignorant about the situation, that's not their fault. Right. That's not their fault. And so if you feel at the end of the day like you got taken advantage of, the reason you got taken advantage of is you didn't do your homework. That's one. It's not not because the other guy's a bad guy. It's you didn't do the work beforehand.
0: Right, right. That's true. Or you're just being like, in my case, lazy.
1: (laughs) But but you're trying to
0: like avoid conflict, so I'll just pay more. Right. So that's right. Yeah. You know, I can't. I don't blame Carmax for taking my money. You know, I just you know appreciate that I'm in and out quick.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And and they certainly have. And and what makes it possible for them to to exist is that so many people find buying a car to be like one of the most stressful financial transactions they will ever make in their life.
0: That's their whole business model is people hate negotiating. So we won't. (laughs) You know, and yeah, it
1: works. They've built a massive business on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it works. Wow. Seeing that. There you go. That's that's what when you said like people just really hate conflict. You're right. You're right. That's, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: agree
0: with you. Well, uh, okay. So as we wrap up, let's, let's talk a little bit more about how people can get in touch with Philip Williams.
1: So you, you have a number of different possibilities. You can okay. look me up on LinkedIn. Okay. Uh, I'm Philip-Williams. hyphen And again, that's Philip with one L. Uh, right. On Twitter, I'm AskPhilipW. Okay, and uh, there's obviously there's my website askphilipwilliams.com. You can get there. Yes, with one L. Uh, and the site's loaded with freebies. You know, go on and get some free courses.
0: Uh, and the blogs are the blog posts are are entertaining and oh, informative. Yeah. Yes.
1: And I try to and I try to write my blog posts to give you an idea of one thing that you can actually take away and go do. I'm not going to give you like a million things you got to go do because I think we all already have a million things on our plate. Right. So Very if you can just walk,
0: with, right? yeah.
1: Yeah. just walk away with one thing, uh, that's, I that's learned
0: a lot thing. about negotiation today. So that's, I mean, and that's one of those things that, you know, we all have to do, <laughs> you know, whether we want to or not, you know, yeah. They're, they're, the only you,
1: people know, you can't negotiate with is a utility company. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. Call them, see if they want to negotiate. Right. But like, <laughs> if you want to sell a house or buy a car or, or, you know, there's, there's, you know, you don't have to do it all the time, but like it's going to come up, right? So It's going
1: to come up and you can save thousands. I mean, yeah. you could save 20% on a car and 20% wow. is real money to that's, a lot of
0: people. Yeah, that's a lot of money.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, but those are the three easiest ways to get a hold of me. Excellent. And, um, you know, you can connect with me directly. Uh, I especially love LinkedIn and Twitter, so.
0: Cool. Awesome. Thank you, Philip. This has been a blast. I appreciate it.
1: I've had a great time, Jeff. I really appreciate you inviting me onto the show.
0: All right. Have a good one.
1: Thanks. You too. Bye-bye.